1: Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other
0: restrictions apply. Major
1: League Baseball trade parts used with permission. I need air. I need air. Are you having problems breathing?
2: It is no secret that Chicagoland has many old developments ones that are well over a hundred years old. If parts of the buildings themselves have lasted this long, maybe those who have died there have too. I'm your host for this episode, Ariel Ravine. And for today's episode, I went along on an investigation of two brothers Roundhouse and Aurora, where a local organization dedicated to documenting the paranormal was called in to see if all the rumors of ghost activity are true. Grab your EVPs and let's get looped in Chicago. Before we get into the ghost hunt, let's start with some theories around ghosts. When people think of haunted cities, typically places like Savannah, Georgia and New Orleans, Louisiana are the first to come to mind, with their buildings upon graveyards and history of old magic. But one man with 50 years of ghost hunting experience around Chicagoland begs to differ.
1: People are going to say no, but in my opinion, Chicago may be the most haunted city in the world because of all the locations that we have documented. And I have almost 400 places that the public can actually go to physically. Taverns, bars, restaurants, churches, movie theaters, um, sacred sites, historical locations, uh, Indian burial grounds, places like that that are extremely haunted. Um, And then on top of that, you have probably thousands and probably tens of thousands Uh, private homes, private businesses that don't necessarily want their their ghost to be displayed on the internet or, or TV or radio or something that they want to kind of keep to themselves.
2: That's Dale Kazimerick, the president and founder of the Ghost Research Society here in Chicago. Dale grew up with parents who were believers, so he formed his own group in 1977.
1: My mom and dad, when they were dating back in the late 30s and early 40s, just before World War II, uh, was my dad's habit he was kind of the ghost hunter of the family so to speak so it was kind of like his habit to after he would take my mom out for a dinner a dance a movie a show to right around the cemetery in chicago called resurrection cemetery which is uh, known for the ghost of resurrection mary one of chicago's most famous hitchhiking ghosts of course my mom was absolutely terrified of this didn't want to see the ghost but my my dad wanted to of course i never saw anything But later on, these were the stories that my my parents told me. Uh, So later, when I grew older, I wanted to kind of like incorporate some of these stories I had heard uh, initially with a group of like-minded individuals.
2: Whether you're a believer or not, theories for how a ghost can exist or what a ghost is have been floating around for centuries. So I wanted to know his explanation behind this paranormal phenomenon.
1: Einstein said that we have an energy in our bodies I and mean, it cannot be created nor destroyed. It's a measurable energy. It's biochemical energy. So what happens to the energy when we die? Uh, it can't be destroyed. Does it hang around? Does it go to you know, heaven or hell, an altered state of consciousness? And we're not really quite sure. So if there is a ghost sort of hanging around for whatever reason, uh, we might be able to pick up that ghost using this equipment because there would be a slight deviation in the electromagnetic field.
2: To refresh your memory on some high school physics, NASA explains that electricity can be static, like the energy that can make your hair stand on end. Magnetism can also be static, as it is in a refrigerator magnet. A changing magnetic field will induce a changing electric field, and vice versa. The two are linked. These changing fields form electromagnetic waves, which can travel not only through air and solid materials, but also through the vacuum of space. An example of this are radio waves, That's how you can listen to WBBM from your car. So energy is essentially the measure of the ability to do work, which comes in many forms and can transform from one type to another. These explanations are helpful when we think of how ghosts could exist in a space. So theoretically, if they're left behind energy, then that energy could be charged and be recognized in an electromagnetic field with the right equipment. So if all energy can change, then are all ghosts the same?
1: There's basically two main types of ghosts. One is the residual haunt. In other words, it's like a tape loop. It's like if you were playing a phonograph record and the record got to the end and started skipping. You know, It's the same thing. It's that they're repeating a scenario, in some cases a violent scenario maybe that happened uh, that took their life or something, and they might replay that event that their last moments on earth, or maybe not so violent, Um, Maybe you might just hear footsteps going up and down the stairs. Just think of how many thousands of times you go up and down a set of stairs um, in your lifetime. And that's what they do. So you would would hear, not necessarily see, but you would hear footsteps, phantom footsteps going up and down. So that's that's kind of the residual. There's no real intelligence associated with it. uh, So you really can't communicate with it. The flip side of the coin is the intelligent haunt. You see the ghost, the ghost sees you. There's recognition between the two of you and you can communicate. You can talk, you can get a response.
2: Dale told me that over the years, he's accumulated over $17,000 worth of equipment specifically made for this line of work. I saw them myself and it was like witnessing an episode of Ghost Adventures firsthand.
1: One of my favorite tools is the is a a digital recorder. We have digital recorders. We we try to pick up what's called EVPs, or electronic voice phenomena, the idea that we're able to communicate with spirits and get a response using digital recorders. So now what we have, not only is those devices, we have devices that you can sometimes hear the ghost response in real time. We have devices like obelises, mini boxes, mini portals, ghost box things of that nature that when we're asking the question, in theory, we can get an answer. We have gotten a lot of responses. I mean, I would say thousands of responses in my almost 50 years of ghost research.
2: I got to see these machines in action when I joined the Ghost Research Society recently for an investigation of the Two Brothers Roundhouse in Aurora, which is actually the oldest limestone roundhouse in the nation. Built in 1856, The Roundhouse's original purpose was to store trains, allow them to turn around, and house locomotive repairs. The original structure had a mechanic shop, paint shop, and more buildings just adjacent. In 1995, Chicago's Walter Payton bought it and made it into the entertainment venue it is today, equipped with a restaurant and museum. Now, it's owned by Two Brothers Brewing. I spoke with manager Jim Olson about what he's heard from staff in his years of working there. There's a number of people who've been here for 20 years. They work with Walter Payton
3: back when it was Payton's. Okay. And I have one guy who said he saw
1: a, a upstairs, he saw a little girl run across the room. Oh, wow. And then there's been other stories of a guy with a lantern running around. One other guy, one of my managers, about a year and a half ago, go up one of the back staircases,
3: same area. And it was late at night, and something
1: put, it touched his shoulder. And he looked back, and no one was there.
2: Beyond these sightings, the two brothers' roundhouse is a stop on many ghost tours in Aurora due to decades of people reporting shadowy figures, disembodied voices, and more. When we come back from the break, we'll have actual audio from my experience on the ghost investigation. Are you brave enough to stay tuned?
0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: Our ghost investigation started at 7 p.m. and went well into the evening. WBBM's social media producer, Sarah Dingman, was brave enough to accompany me on this adventure. To see photos and videos she captured throughout the night, go to her Instagram at WBBM Podcasts. PSA. The following audio and first-hand accounts are from what we saw while there. The only editing to the audio I made was cutting out chunks where nothing happened and increasing the volume of lower audio levels. We entered the roundhouse through the back kitchen doors. The eerie vibes of this place began immediately as we took this old, rusty service elevator, the kind where you have to pull down the doors to shut it, up to the dining room. The investigation was set in the banquet rooms and the ballroom directly underneath. It's a round building, so in the center that you can see through the windows is where the turntables, which would direct the chains, for the roundhouse would have been. Now it's a courtyard. These rooms are a part of the building that still have some of the original structure.
3: Okay. So this is a dining room. It's really big. There's a lot of tables, two stories of fireplace, and then some stairs that lead into a room with a bunch of round tables. And it's beautiful. The ceilings are really high with some beams up top. I believe this is somewhere somebody would have like a banquet or maybe like a wedding reception.
2: There were seven of us there in total. Sarah, myself, and the five folks from the Ghost Research Society, Mary Huff, Chuck Williams, Diane Oxenon, Mikey Rosario, and of course, Dale. Mary and Diane immediately began walking around with their K2 EMF readers, which measures changes in the electromagnetic field. It might be something you've seen on TV, actually. It's remote-shaped, with a gradient of lights on the top ranging from green to red. Theoretically, when a spirit's energy approaches it or is near, the gradient will light up. They were kind enough to let me borrow one while on this investigation. The one I borrowed is also shaped like a remote, with a screen on top with a reading of 0.0, then the temperature of the room below it. It had a red light shooting at the end. Dale explained to me what the numbers in the screen meant. The numbers will
1: change if
3: there's something.
1: Big numbers, which stands for fueling costs. Okay. And the uh, smaller number is temperature. Okay. Which will fluctuate. Here's your temperature probe right here.
0: Oh, cool,
2: okay. And the red light might help us be able to see something on yeah. camera? Without,
1: without, without your night vision. Cool, okay.
2: Besides equipment that allow you to speak with and detect ghosts, Mikey and Chuck brought along what are known as trigger objects. Yeah. Here's Mikey. Is, you bring into a, a
1: notable haunted location or a, a location that has some activity in it, and you want to bring an object where you can actually stir something up, where they could interact with that type of object.
2: Mikey brought in a 1986 model train It played sounds of chugging on a track and even released smoke from the engine. Chuck brought in an old railway nail both specifically chosen to try and stir up some memories from ghosts who could have worked here in the past.
1: Illinois was a I super major hub, still is to this day when it comes to railroad like The
2: team set up cameras and EVP detectors around the room. Dale had this neat device that projects a red diagram into the space. If something were to pass through the red lasers, it would go off and take a photo. We don't have the results of his cameras yet due to the time it takes to look through footage and when this aired. So check out their website for any updates on that. After all the equipment was set up, we sat down at one of the round tables, dimmed the lights, and turned on a ghost box. If we remember EM waves from earlier, this device uses radio signals to quickly flip through channels. If a spirit is present, then in theory they can interact with the radio waves to speak. A warning, the sound of the box can be harsh at times.
3: Something's coming.
1: Something's coming? Yeah. Coming was the last one. My name is Dale. Mary. Mary.
3: Diane. Chuck. <laughs> Mike. Yeah. Sarah.
1: Can you say any of those names? <laughs>
3: So the last Wow. Work, you know, something. Are you tired of working? Same <laughs> Assault? Is that what saying? or assault? No. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where's the. Where's the child? That.
1: what's that child's name <laughs> all I know is I'm getting a little close mm-hmm. okay. yeah. yeah it's
3: going down Numbers in the bathroom where are you in the bathroom commercial <laughs> music Spirits? Thank God. A times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's going off right
1: now.
2: While potentially speaking to the other side through the ghost box was thrilling and honestly a tad chilling, the Ghost Research Society members were in good spirits. They've gone on many ghost hunts like this and some with even more alleged activity. Chuck brought along ghost-shaped peeps for us all to enjoy in between setups. Ladies.
0: Yes, I will have a ghost.
3: <laughs> <laughs> when in Rome. <laughs> Thank you. This is so cute. I like their little faces a lot. <laughs> I saw ghost hunting. Ghost hunting. We caught them. We <laughs> 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 uh-huh. the ghosts tonight at
2: Two Brothers. Fresh, Fresh made ghosts. <laughs> Dale's laptop unexpectedly died. So we swapped to another ghost box that runs on batteries. Earlier in the session with the other ghost box, I don't know if you noticed how we went around the table and introduced ourselves, so may encourage a spirit to introduce themselves. What happened next when we used a completely different ghost box genuinely surprised me. This is the mode, so
1: that's where it's trying to form this whole world. So
3: you won't be I heard my name. Did it say my name? I heard it in the beginning. <laughs> is, is this recording? Yeah,
1: what is it? MB session number three using obvious X and phonetic mode. Who were you talking to? What's your first name?
0: Is it a device? Or
1: you? Table. I. Hey. So, trying to put words together. Or yeah. Or you. Or like your name. (laughs)
2: Hi. Okay, I don't know if y'all heard what we heard, but it did sound like the voice from the ghost box said my name, multiple times. I'm gonna play it again. So while flattered, I did not love that interaction. It felt extra spooky that it was one of the first things said after turning on a completely different ghost box. Like there was a continuity between conversations even though we were using different devices to facilitate. After a couple hours upstairs, we decided to head down to the ballroom.
3: Here's the the ballroom. So in the middle of the room is the stage. There's also a fireplace at the back wall of it. On the other side are windows that in the courtyard in between, or I guess right outside is where the roundhouse was where the trains would physically go. Lots of tables, two bars, beautiful, tall ceilings, lights.
2: Once again, we sat down at a round table with our EVPs and a ghost box. This time, only the floodlights were on, creating an eerie feeling of deep darkness and shadows in the large, vacant room. At this point in the night, most of the staff had left.
1: I'll try in phonetic mode. Or, the air. or i need the air i need air I need are you having problems breathing here right uh, here okay. yeah. did you work in this space here
3: okay has been going off quite a bit
1: K-2? Mm-hmm. Get, off get off upstairs. Her. Get upstairs? I heard get off her. Oh, okay. Get See, everybody's got sounds, get their hearing is different. Help. 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 So where we hear the most in phonetic mode is help. Was it
3: fire? Is it Fire.
1: Fire. Fire. Did you die in a fire? You. Yeah. You. No, I didn't die in a fire. O-S-I-O-R-M. almost sounded like I said outside at first, but... I thought I heard
3: that,
1: too. Funny thing you mentioned that, because I thought I heard a few raps on that window out there. Really? Now or yeah. earlier? Just now? 30 seconds ago. Okay. Yeah.
2: was really interesting to me for multiple reasons. The first is that when we were upstairs and voices immediately began coming through the ghost box, I have to admit Sarah and I were both a little skeptical that, okay, maybe this is just what happens when you turn on a ghost box. You hear voices and sounds. But then after being downstairs and only having one brief interaction with the voice through the box, it was almost creepier in post that, oh, it must have been more active upstairs And that didn't fully happen in another room. My second thought was this voice through the ghost box in the ballroom made me more sad than scared. If that was a ghost, there's something torturous about the thought of being dead and stuck in suffering, repeatedly asking for help. Death while working in mechanics or with trains in the past wasn't necessarily a rare thing. After the investigation, I researched the location for records of a fire, I found that there were multiple fires throughout the 1870s, one in 1880, and another in 1921. All of these fires caused full structures and buildings to burn down. Between these fires and deaths caused by accidents in the job, I could not find an exact death toll for the history of the roundhouse. That potential ghost in the ballroom was their last interaction of the night. While there were no chairs overturned or full-on possessions, I learned something about ghost hunting while sitting in with a seasoned group it is a waiting game, one that might have a level of chance involved. Dale told me he didn't see his first apparition until 10 years into ghost hunting. If the tales are true, told by those who have seen apparitions in the hallway, heard sounds of hammering while alone, or even heard disembodied voices, it is a rare thing to get to glimpse or even interact with the other side. Whether you believe in ghosts or not, there are a lot of people who claim to see unexplainable things, not only around Chicago, but also, around the world. If you don't have your own story yet, then maybe you just need to wait. Thank you for listening to this episode of Looped in Chicago. This episode is hosted and produced by me, Arielle Ravenay, edited by Jim Henke and myself. Craig Schwalb is our station's news director. Myron Kaplan is managing producer of national news podcasts. And a special thanks to the Ghost Research Society for letting us tag along. To see photos and videos of this ghost hunting adventure captured by Sarah, check out our Instagram at WBBM Podcasts or at WBBM News Radio. We'll get you looped in back here in two weeks. See you then.